Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci, and remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson and Mike Regina. Nicole with the wonderful introduction, as always, and our guy Mike with the awesome intro music to get us pumped up. We have our guest with the most appearances back on the show today. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? I tell you what, we're going to get five-star reviews today. I tell you, every every time this guy comes on, he just, I feel like he has like the answers to the future. Like most of the stuff that he says comes true. And then, you know, yep. people actually, you know, like what he has to say, like, they just totally don't want to listen to you. They just want to listen to him. So, hey, let, I, let me I'm, get out the way so you can bring him in, the legend himself. All right, great. Let, hey, let's welcome him in with a new title to his uh, record here. The offensive coordinator of Landon football and our college football expert, Coach Connor Cassidy. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well. Good to be back. Thanks thanks to both of you guys for having me. Hey, thank you. The pleasure is ours to have one of the uh, the main experts in the college football area on JT and the Don. Can't find him anywhere else, only exclusively. So, so, so he's running He's running the show on this show and in real life? Yep. Oh, yep. that's going to be he's, good. He's calling the shots on offense. So, I mean, can't find him anywhere else, only exclusively on JT and the Don. So, it's it's quite a treat. So thank you for the time as as always. And uh we're, we're excited, man. As am I. It's always fun to be on with you guys. All let's right. Let's get it going. Let's go, JT. All right. So let's go to obviously the thing that's on everybody's mind fresh, uh, Michigan versus Ohio State. I kind of saw this coming, but not really. But let's just recap anyway. So the Wolverines took it to Ohio State for the second straight year in a row in the second half, but this time it was in Ohio State that they got it done. So back-to-back wins for Michigan. I want to start out with you guys. Has Michigan overtaken Ohio State in the Big Ten Conference and nationally? So are they looked at now after these two wins as better than them everywhere? Um, Coach, I'm going to go to you first. All right. Well, I'm going to let the play on the field speak for itself and say yes. They've got the last two wins head-to-head which has led to appearances in the Big Ten title game. Last year, obviously, they won the championship game and made it into the college football playoff. Uh, And I think, you know, I expect them to get back there this year. So I expect them to win the Big Big Ten title again and make another playoff appearance. Uh, And so that's huge for their brand. Uh, And so they've now got the uh, reputation of, you know, two straight Big Ten championships, we'll say, two straight college football playoff appearances, uh, and then two straight – wins over their arch rival in commanding fashion so definitely they've overtaken ohio state man i i hate to do this right off the bat to disagree with the expert i almost want to change my answer but i mean listen congrats to jim harbaugh it was it was the right move sticking with him i know we've had that topic on the show before 
Um, and and I thought they should stick with him and obviously the right move and they got over the hump. He got he got over the hump with beating Ohio State the last two times. But, you know, overtaken, I think that's kind of a strong word, coach and and JT. I mean, yes, the last two seasons have they overtaken them on the field? Yes, with the victories. But as far as a program and how we see them in the Big Ten Conference and how other teams view them within their conference and then nationally, I mean, let's face it, it's been Ohio State's conference the past 30 years. And JT always wants to be dramatic after two wins. Oh, have they overtaken them? Like prior to these two games, they played 19 times, not in 2020 because of COVID. But Michigan, three wins in those 19 appearances, in those 19 games, 16 losses. I mean, you've got a lot of work to do to overtake them and to show why they have not overtaken them, JT. You love recruiting rankings so much, right, that you go look at the recruiting rankings. Yeah, because I'm the, I'm the only one that loves recruiting rankings. Like, nobody else looks at those. I, I was just making a point that you like it. it you, is that you know fact? What's, you know what's funny? I feel, like, I feel like, you know what? I know what's going on here. He does this. He does this all the time. Just admit that he was right in what he said. Like, you – because because you, you know why you're doing this? Because you have a gut feeling that I'm going to agree with him. So you're, you're like, you know what? That's a good point. But, you know, I'm going to give these uh, okay no, listen, reasons why opinion, I'm right. Your opinion doesn't doesn't matter. All right. Your opinion doesn't matter. So you look at the recruiting rankings. I love it. One of the row, you've been like this. One of the recruiting rankings for or the recruiting rankings for the 2023 classes. Right. Michigan ranked 21st. Ohio State sixth. That goes to show you what high school recruits and what the overall sense is between Ohio State and Michigan. You may have won the two games, but Ohio State is still king of the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, but this question is kind of like, okay, has Georgia overtaken Alabama? If it's yes, you're making it seem like Alabama is going back to the cellar. Like nobody's throwing Ohio State into the ocean and just forgetting about them. And to your to your uh, your stat about, oh, is it three wins in 19 years, you said? Should have been four because one of those years they got screwed over on a bad call and Michigan <laughs> ooh, should have won that game. Ooh, four out of nineteen. Okay. But, but it was recent. It was only a few years ago, so it it won't look as bad. Like if they if Michigan would have won that game, you were, you're talking about three in what five or six years, and Harbaugh doesn't get as much heat, I think. But I I do think they have replaced them both, well, at least in the conference and nationally. I think you'll start to see it has nothing to do with recruiting. One. The winner of losing Josh Gaddis is always going to improve. Like, whoever loses that guy is going to get better. You see, Michigan stopped letting him call plays the first year. They beat Ohio State. They sent him to UM. They beat Ohio State again. And I think the biggest change that I see in those two programs is that they've essentially switched identities, where Ohio State used to be the big, tough, mauler guys, and they used to come in there and just beat everybody up. And Michigan was kind of the flashy pretty boys with speed and the skill position guys are, you know, what we usually talk about. And now it's switched. Like Michigan is just going to come in there, beat you up, run you over on both sides of the ball. And now Ohio State is kind of like, you know, the flashy, you know, pretty boy receivers. You know, they're, uh, you know, they they play. I'm not, I don't want to say they play soft, but, you know, they play they play a finesse game. And I think that's the biggest thing that I noticed the past maybe like three years with these teams is. They've essentially switched roles. And in that conference, whoever plays the toughest usually dominates it. And it's now Michigan when I never thought I would see that based on what I had seen from Ohio State. 
And that used to be Ohio State's bread and butter. You know, that's how they beat us at the national championship. They didn't have the best recruits, the best athletes, but they were going to come give you a dogfight and they were going to beat the crap out of you. And that's what Michigan is doing now. So I think in the conference, yes, nationally, I'm not sure yet because they have to do some things that Ohio State has done, like go to a college football playoff, win a national championship. And it's not just about recruiting. So I'm going to say yes, conference-wise, they have. And I think nationally, it's going to be pretty soon we're going to change that answer to yes as well. Yeah, we'll see next year. I mean, I I doubt it. Can you do it consistently three years in a row? I, I doubt it. And, you know, Ohio State was missing some guys. But, you know, we'll see. So Ohio State, so I mean, you're supposed to be missing guys. Or, yeah, Ohio State was missing guys. Sorry. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State. State was. Yeah, so was Michigan. Well, so was Michigan, Michigan. But, you know, obviously their, their, Michigan. Their best offensive player, I'm but, pretty sure, wasn't 100%. But, but they didn't miss them. They didn't miss them. That's the thing. Ohio State was missing players that they obviously missed. Michigan wasn't missing Blake Corum as we all thought they would. So like, you know, to JT's point, they did – they were more physical than them, and that has been the difference the last two second halves. But don't forget, it's only been two halves that they've really beaten them. The first half of each of those games was close. But they, but they just – That doesn't like mean you've overtaken them. They look like the more physical team. But this is, is why true. Ohio State used to dominate because if you're looking at recruiting, the recruiting is not that different between those two. Ohio State might have a slight the, edge. The rankings – They're both listen, getting NFL six players. To, six to, to 21 is a big difference in recruiting composites. And, I mean, listen, overtaken is a strong word. I still – program-wise, Ohio State is still the premier in Michigan still trying to catch up. Well, I'm glad you brought Fans up Fans in Columbus year. are glad to hear this. I know it's terrible though, because as a Canes fan, we never want to give Ohio State any credit. I know. What, what, I root for you, Michigan in doing? these games. You give root, them false hope. You give them I root, false hope. Just hey, that's good. Get back, get I, back all your Canes gear. I, root, I don't know what's going on with you right now. Just I root for the for, sake of being right at any argument, you will do this. Like I root who, for who Michigan. I root for Michigan in in the in the big game. We'll see. But you you got you actually brought up a good uh Starting point for my next question. You're talking about next year. You know, next year's the future. We don't know who's going to be in it. <laughs> so I've, I've been seeing this everywhere. I, I was kind of shocked when I first read these kind of things. But now, as I look into it deeper, I think this is a legitimate, you know, topic of conversation amongst Ohio State fans. It's Ryan Day. Since he's taken over, is Ohio State declining? So that's the first thing I want to ask you guys. And also, based on his last two performances against Michigan, because they essentially hired these guys to win this game. It's on both sides. Him losing these this game the past two years, one is Ohio State declining, and one should Ryan Day be on the hot seat. See, JT doesn't tee it up quite right. But coach, you're the guest. You're the expert. You always go first. Oh, right? I didn't ask so, him first because I, I, I didn't I think didn't, you could help yourself in jumping in and saying something erroneous. But you know what? I'm going to do the right thing. It was for you, coach, but I, I just I just wanted to save you the embarrassment of this guy jumping in and saying something wrong again. So I'm going to say that, no, they're not declining as much as like Michigan has overtaken them currently. Uh, and I think like, you know, obviously they're not going to be back in the Big Ten title game again. They're not going to be in the college football playoff. Well, they they, they have a chance to squeak in, but mm-hmm. unlikely, I think. Um, but it, it, you could also argue they're still like a top five brand nationally. They're number five right now in the rankings. They still have a shot to get in um, They're As JT referenced, they're top five in recruiting for 2023. Like, so yes, they're missing their ultimate goals right now, but like, are they declining big picture? I'm going to say no. Um, was there a question there about Ryan day? 
Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So should he be on the hot seat? All right. So (laughs) no, you can criticize maybe some of his in-game decisions here in in the game against Michigan. Um, Particularly, he came under fire for not going for it on fourth and medium there in the third quarter. Um, But I think use Michigan as the example. Be patient. Stick with your guy. Who's better than Ryan Day to come in and coach Ohio State right now? Who would you hire? With his baggage, with his tenure at uh, Jacksonville, if, do you really, if, do you if really I, think he's better? If I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm taking his bags. I'm bringing the bellhop, and we'll see him in his room. Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, Ryan Day's got it going on. They happen to have lost twice to their arch rival. That's not great. I'm not saying that. But I think, like, honestly, they're in the in the best position to succeed moving forward. What do you think? I, I agree with both of those answers. It's nope and nope. I'll tell you why. Are they declining? Look at 2018, Ohio State 13 to 1. Next the next year, 2019, 13 and 1. COVID year, 7 and 1. Then last year, 11 and 2. One of those losses to Michigan. This year, 11 and 1. The only loss to Michigan, and we just saw it. They are still running the tape. Like, where is the decline? I already told you. Number six recruiting class. Like, where is the decline? They've had two bad halves of football in the last two years, and it, and it probably cost them the college. The Big Ten title in the college football playoffs each of those years. But if you're talking about a decline, listen, man, Kane's fans like us, JT, only wish this was a decline where you go 11 and 2, 11 and 1, and you lose to your rival. We're getting smoked by 40 points to Florida. Hey, State, we're, 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 to not Duke, about, we're not to, talking to about pick. you. Man. We're not talking about you. Because that's a true decline. That is a true decline. Not going 11 and 2 and 11 and 1 and losing you know, one half of football to your rival. So the decline, no. As far as Ryan Day on the hot seat, should absolutely not be. He has done a great job continuing what I think Trestle and Urban Meyer have built, right? He's going to make the corrections, just like you said, that they got beat physically. He's going to make those corrections in recruiting and then probably how they practice and then during the season next year. So, and I think this is the biggest thing. Michigan was not on the radar of Ohio State year in and year out. When you've beaten someone 16 out of 19 times, it's no long, it's no longer a competitive rivalry anymore, right? But now Michigan's on that radar. You've beaten us up twice now in, in two years. Now they're going to play their season, meaning Ohio State, for that game. Everything leading up doesn't matter. Everything that is Michigan now matters again. And that's just the way it was with Michigan. Everything was for Ohio State. All the spring practices, all the summer workouts, all the other games was for Ohio State. Now Ohio State's going to turn that around and it's all going to be for Michigan because Ryan Day knows he needs to beat Michigan to get to the college football playoffs, win the Big Ten title, but eventually save his job. So on the hot seat, no. But if this continues, yes. But I don't think he'll allow that to happen. All right, so I'm going to disagree with you guys on both fronts. One on the, the climb part. All right, I'm I'm not saying they're turning it into you know <laughs> Michigan State or anything like that, but I do think I'm I'm likening them to Alabama. Is it a decline? Yeah, in that that respect, where like you were the top dog, you were dominant, and it's clear that you aren't there anymore. That's a decline. So I agree with what Coach said earlier about you know like their brand is still one of the tops in the country. I I don't think that's going away. Kids are still going to go to Ohio State. Like that's not going to change. But I do think they are declining. And the Ryan Day situation is interesting to me because overall in a vacuum, is he a good coach? I guess. I got it. I mean, he was it, he was 
gifted, you know, <laughs> the Yankees, essentially, you know, he could do whatever he wants. And Hallbard made a good comment a couple years back about being born on third base. And it's like, you're on third base and you have yet to get home. Like that is disturbing to me. And since he's been there, yeah, the offense at times, like it looks unstoppable, but it doesn't look any any more special than, you know, what Urban Meyer did or, you know, the people before him. But one thing has changed. They've gotten soft. And I don't think that's something we can go to the film and be like, you know what? Hey, we'll just play harder here. We'll just turn back into old, you know, black and blue Ohio State. That's a culture thing. Like if your team is soft for two straight years, that's the coaching. That's the message. That's the culture of the program. And that is what's going to lead to them. Really, you guys agreeing that they are declining is I don't think he is the guy to take them to the next level. Like I think he inherited something. He's not messing it up, but he's not enhancing it either. And things around them are improving. So I would say, I, I don't know. I don't know if he should be on the hot seat, but I'm concerned because Michigan, like you said, was an afterthought. We never worried about them. Now we got to worry about them and go into the playoff, which is going to expand and beat more teams. And now I got to worry about, can this guy put us in a position to be the most physical team that's playing Michigan? in the Big Ten and in the college football playoffs with more teams in there, they need to really have a talk with him to see what's going on. But I think he should be on the hot seat. Like, this is unacceptable. Like, you're basically hired to win this game and go win a national championship, and he's not doing it. How many titles did Urban Meyer win at Ohio State? I'm curious. One. Is that I'm, – I'm feeling it's one, right, with Ezekiel Elliott. I, I mean, JT – I think we get lost in the whole Nick Saban thing. Like, it's difficult to win titles, right? Jim Tressel, how great he was. How many titles did he win? One. Like, it's difficult. It yeah, is but you, difficult. But I, but like, I, you're I hear, acting, I hear, I hear hold on. You're, you're acting I, I like you're Ohio saying. State the past 30 years while they've owned Michigan for the most part. But while they have done that, they've only got two national titles. Like, in the 90s, they're – that program was unbelievable. Eddie, George, Terry, Glenn. I mean, you go down the list of guys, they've got two titles. Like, John Cooper could never win. And I understand that's why he got fired. But let's not be like, oh, Ryan Day stinks and needs to be fired. It's hard. And we're I seeing say, it. It's hard to stinks. find good coaches nowadays. It really is. It not really at Ohio is. State. I'm telling you, you just got – Go Sometimes I don't go, think I go I, think the grass I'm is greener somewhere you. else and see what happens I'm, with Ohio. I'm saying State. this to you. Don't let this turn into a Miami situation where it's like, hey, like it never not, will. No, never but will. I'm saying it never will. And Donato, obviously, so many in different scale, factors in scale, in scale, in scale, like, it never will. We're 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 content with what we're doing because we're not horrible. But then that's when you get complacent like that. That's where a Michigan creeps up on you. Maybe a Wisconsin How takes is it you back. Creeps up on you. 13 and 1, 13 and 1, 7 and 1, 11 and 2, 11 and 1. Where's the complacency? How long has he Honestly. been there? How long has he been there? I, I, JT brings up an interesting point with the expansion of the playoff because I was thinking about it. If you are, if we're looking at a 12 team playoff and Ohio State is like the fifth seed, so then they're going to go into like the four or five game maybe. So they might have like USC. You can't tell me on a neutral site right now, you wouldn't give Ohio State like a puncher's chance to beat USC. Right. So now you're like, you're still in they the They wouldn't mix. be four or five. Well, like in terms of the bracket, though, like eventually the four seed would, would meet the five seed in a 12, in a 12 pool bracket, or maybe not, maybe not. But regardless, my point being like in a 12 point, a 12 team playoff, you can't tell me that Ohio State doesn't have a decent shot to like make it, make a deep run. 
Absolutely, they did right. Yeah. Yeah, but also, too, I look at they played Utah last year in the Rose Bowl, and it's like, mm, <laughs> like that's a game that Ohio State is supposed to go in and pummel a team like that. And they're they're just not – they're not, and I think it's because – Did they win the game? Barely. <laughs> that game could have won the game. Way. They won the game. Someone a, – a, a wise man once told me that they'll ask you if you won – they'll ask you if you won the game, not how you won the game. Ohio State won that game. I don't know. And that wise that, man but, but, sitting next to me. Oh, I'm about to say because he's it, sitting it must, next it to me. It must be somebody that he did. Didn't I get tell the quote right? Did I get the quote right? They don't ask you how you won. They ask you if you won. There we go. Sorry, Ohio State won. We don't care how they won. They won that Rose Bowl game. All I'm saying is, I'm not saying Ryan Day is a horrible coach. All I'm saying is, these are the situations you need to pay closely attention to because maybe he's not changing as much as being horrible, but things around him are changing, and can they keep up? And Next thing you know, you're in quicksand. I'm just saying, I, I, they're, them being soft is a big deal to me because that that's an indictment on him, and I'll leave it at that. I, I wouldn't call them soft, but anyway. All right, so let, let's stick with head coaches here, right? Both USC and UCLA are making headlines in L.A. again and in the Pac-12, finally. A lot of credit goes to their coaches, Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly, respectively. So, Coach Connor, start with you. Which story is bigger, in your opinion, Chip Kelly's resurgence or Lincoln Riley's immediate impact? All right. Well, I think what Chip has done here is like a good old fashioned old school rebuild where each year his teams are getting a little bit better, a little bit better. And you go from like a losing record to more success and a winning record. Um, And so you got to hand him credit there. But I think in terms of the storyline, Lincoln Riley picking up. And move into L.A. uh, in this era of college football with the transfer portal, the name, image, and likeness. Like, that is a big story. Uh, Because, frankly, I don't think anyone expected it to take place for USC as quickly as it has. Even, I think, Lincoln Riley himself has been surprised with the speed at which the turnaround happened. So I think they had, like, 19 guys come in from the transfer portal from all over. So you got to give him credit for this isn't just like an all-star team, but he's fostered a team. And I think you got to give credit to the players for buying into that, but he should take some of that credit as well. So you look at Caleb Williams as maybe a potential Heisman winner. Um, he's gone 11-1 and one this year with a chance for redemption of the only loss against Utah on the cusp of making the playoffs. Um, I just think for all of those reasons, Lincoln Riley is the story. JT? This was tough, and it, mainly because – uh, Don gave me this stat a couple of days ago about how when Lincoln Riley came to USC and he realized like how much more work needed to be done and like how many guys left that program it was like fifty something guys or something. I think they said fifty three or fifty four on the um, telecast Saturday night. Yeah, so I would say degree of difficulty for both of those guys, even though they're it's different, is extreme. I mean, obviously UCLA was nothing to write home about when when Chip Kelly got there either. To answer this question for me, I'm going to go with what was the hardest to do as a coach? And I think it's Chip Kelly to be great at something. I never see a coach do this. They're great. And then they fall. The game has passed them by. They humble themselves, adapt, and then reemerge. I've never seen a coach do that before. Cause usually that's the problem. You know, coaches are great for a period of time. The game passes them by and then they just can't adapt. And then, you know, they're gone. Like Chip Kelly has done the impossible. It was a disaster in the NFL to the point where I thought he would never coach again anywhere. 
and he went to UCLA, and it was still bad. I'm like, did this guy just forget how to coach? And then now, you know, he's got them playing physical. They're playing well, and it's like he is, to me, he's a really, really good coach again. And I think – I don't think Lincoln Riley could do that. I think once the game kind of catches up to Lincoln Riley, I don't know if he can go through this reinvention process and then reemerge again on top. So my decision was degree of difficulty between the coaches, and I think what Chip Kelly done is – is amazing so i'm gonna go with him as being like the bigger story to me coach connor i hate doing this to you i gotta disagree and and i actually i can't believe i'm doing this agreeing with jt but jt you must have been looking at my notes because i think the resurgence is special in in two ways and you said it like you don't see this from coaches he's now 59 he was the oregon head coach 10 years ago 2009 to 2012 right Goes to the NFL. Do you know where he coached in 2016? You're going to tell us. Eagles? No. You want to take another guess? Home. The, the 49ers. Niners. I oh, forgot. yeah. I forgot about that. You forget he coached again in the NFL after the Eagles. So to do what he's done, like you said, you don't see that. Like, that's special. So that resurgence on that front, I think, is the bigger story. Then the other front is the UCLA rebuild. In the past 31 seasons, do you know how many nine-plus win seasons UCLA has had? Mm, you want to guess? Maybe five or four? Very close. Six. I mean, we're talking – like, that's actually pretty decent, I guess. But when you're talking about – you think like, about it as a Miami fan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, if you're talking, you know, any other program that's legit, that's not impressive at all. So, you know – He's now done eight and four last year, nine and three this year. So not only has he rebuilt his career, he's really rebuilt that program that does not have a home stadium that is in a major market with two NFL teams and another major college team. I think we're really downplaying what he has done. And this is the other reason why I picked Chip Kelly. If we're comparing the two to me, I kind of expected Lincoln Riley to have an immediate impact. What he's doing isn't all that impressive because guess what? And I think uh, JT and I spoke about this. He brought Caleb Williams with him. He brought, or not brought, but he was able to get He brought the next Patrick Mahomes with him, and he already knows his system. And and he brought the the Bolitnikoff Award winner in Jordan Addison, with not with him, but took him from Pitt, basically, stole him from Pitt. So you now have the best quarterback and the best receiver, probably, combo in college football. Who can't win with that in the Pac-12? Like, I know that the Pac-12 is getting better. I I actually think they're a very good conference now. But let's not forget they still have Arizona in there, Arizona State's in there. Like, I mean, Stanford's in there. Like, those are guaranteed victories. You really only got to win two or three big games. It'll be interesting to see if, like, he and USC this year – are setting what will become the future of college football with the transfer portal and name image likeness, or if he really is like a one-off in and being able to pull it off. Um, and like, will we see like a Luke Fickle have success at Wisconsin so quickly? Will Matt Rule be able to turn Nebraska around as quickly? And time will tell, like, you know, is this a one-off or has he – you know, just done what now everybody's going to start to do, bring their best players with them, 
get the best players in and become like a turnaround in in one off season. Is there well, some Mario Cristobal could do that, <laughs> right? And 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 so t- I think. Or is he that... doing it more organically? Not that he's completely doing it organically in Miami, but is he doing it more like Chip Kelly, where right. hey, we're gonna build it because I want it to be Miami bottom right, yeah, like bottom up school build up. But is there some concern with USC and Lincoln Riley though that will this success transfer and translate when you go to the Big Ten? It's an interesting question. I, I think it will, because I think the Big Ten is low-key becoming like that outside of Michigan. Like, that's Ohio State's problem. They're basically a Pac-12 team now. Like, they play like it, in my opinion. But Yeah, but you got to remember travel and weather now, where at USC, you never got to worry about it. Maybe you go to Oregon in Washington on a bad uh, They play at Notre Dame. They can play in cold weather, man. You They'll saw what happened with that Reggie Bush, Matt Liner. They needed the Bush push to beat that Notre Dame right. team. You, All you I'm saying. Earlier, a, a, a wise <laughs> man true. once told me. What did that wise man say? <laughs> See, you can't even remember. You can't even. What, what, what did the wise unfair. man say? How you, gonna, how saying, you do that? To get, you wouldn't found the profit. I'm just asking you what. They say. don't ask you how you won, but if you won, exactly you got it that time. Yeah. I, I will. I will say this though. It's it's very close because I mean, let's be honest. Like to to go there and still replace all those guys, like that means an unbelievable amount of pressure is put on the office to be successful. You know what I mean? So, I mean, kudos to what Lincoln Riley is doing. But I just feel like Chip Kelly. What Chip Kelly has done. The only way I see guys get another shot doing that is people just hire them because they know them. It's like. This guy, I forgot about the 49ers. He flamed out horribly two times in the NFL and then took the UCLA job because nobody else would hire him. And I just, I've just never seen a coach be on top, swallow their pride and make it work. Like that's impossible. Like their egos are too, too big. I mean, I'm not talking about you guys, but I'm just saying like, they like, like, their egos are too big. Interestingly, I think Harbaugh kind of did that, though, a little bit with Michigan, right? Like, he took a big pay cut. He retooled his staff. He, like, totally reevaluated how he was running the program, and it's panned out to be really successful for him. He looked at Josh Gaddis and be like, bro, you're going to cost me this job. You got to get out of here. Well, uh, well, let's let's talk about a program that I feel like, it, to me, is very disappointing. I, I want to see what you guys feel about this. Uh, Texas A&M. Now I know they beat LSU this past weekend, but they finished the season five and seven. I think most people expected them to not only, of course, make a bowl game, but possibly crash the playoff. Jimbo Fisher, it seems like they're struggling. There's there's a whole bunch of you know discipline issues. They're not winning games. What is the problem with Texas A&M? What do you guys think is their their issue to why they can't be successful despite having all this talent? Well. I'm going to go right to the coaching, and I think it's a twofold thing. I think it's both X's and O's and scheme, as well as like culture piece. And uh, you got to point, you got to point it at Jimbo Fisher. Um, clearly, the offense is not getting it done. He's the offensive guy uh, and the play caller. And recently, he's just fired his uh, former offensive coordinator Daryl Dickey this week. Um, but that's not solving any problems, and everybody knows that. And I think he's got to like as we've been talking about humble himself he has to delegate the play calling responsibility he's got to get a real offensive coordinator in there someone who's going to like take it and do a great job with it and call the plays and let him worry about the big picture the recruiting the direction of the overall program and focus in a little bit more on the culture piece which I'll get to in a second but I do think it uh stands to mention that also scheme x's and o stuff is uh the defensive side of the ball as well losing mike elko 
who was their D coordinator for four years and left to go to Duke. And in uh, his first year at Duke has had an excellent year. He's got the Blue Devils at eight and four. And so I think that was a really big loss. I think he had a big role in the program overall, um, both schematically and just like uh, coaching, coaching wise. Um, and so those two X's and O's pieces, I think, are important. I'm thinking about like an offensive coordinator like Kendall Bryles at uh, Arkansas. Get some young guy, great offensive mind, bring him in, pay him what he needs to be paid, and give him the reins and let him and let him do his thing. And then you can focus on more of this culture piece um, because you know they have a lot swirling as as JTU alluded to, like the discipline stuff. You've got like the incident at South Carolina where guys are doing God knows what in the locker room to get in trouble, like you know before or after a game, um, and then all that comes with all the recruiting around the five star recruits, keeping kids happy. Uh, the name, image, and likeness stuff. And, uh, you know, that's got to make it difficult to keep everybody on the same page with the same focus in mind. Um, I thought it was interesting, his comments after the win against LSU, he said that the seniors did a great job. The kids were all bought in. Like everybody was, you know, uh, brought the right attitude to win that big game um, because, you know, they did get it done. You got to hand them the credit. But, uh, you know, I think like there's definitely a culture piece that seems to be missing there from at Texas A&M from afar. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you in that it is it's, it's got to fall on Jimbo Fisher for for two reasons. But first, you know, what's wrong there? The fans are too nice. Fans are too nice, JT. I went to the game in September when Miami went down there. I would have thought I was at a home game. I mean, I thought I was part of the home crowd because super nice, way too nice. Wait I a mean, minute. Normally, what, what, what did you want them to do? Did you want them to turn the bus over and <laughs> set it on fire? I mean, normally when you go somewhere else, being a Miami Hurricane fan, people look at us and say, oh, they're obnoxious. They're the worst fans in the world. They're, you know, this and that. And there was none of that stereotype shown by the fans of Texas A&M toward Miami fans. The nicest fans in college football, I think, are the Aggie fans. Um, so that's, you know, that's the problem right there. You can't be that nice in football when you got another team coming in. But in all honesty, I think it is Jimbo for two reasons. The QB play, right? He's supposed to, like you said, he's the offensive guy. There is no defense in the SEC that fears their quarterbacks, right? Like, they don't fear that. Maybe some of the running backs they've had that made it to the NFL have been really good, but they don't fear that quarterback. And Kellen Mond is probably the last guy that anyone feared in a sense. And guess what? I don't believe he was recruited by Jimbo Fisher. So, I mean, that's the, the one of the faults of Jimbo Fisher. And then the other part is the culture and discipline. In that locker room incident after the South Carolina game, Denver Harris, Chris Marshall, and P.J. Williams – all freshmen, all part of that 2022 class were suspended. And in fact, Harris and Marshall were involved in violating team rules in September. Now you've got freshmen doing this already. And not only did they do it once in September, but then they did something else again in October. That's a culture thing. There's no accountability there. And I kind of have an idea of what the violating the team rules was in September from an unnamed source, but you can't allow that to keep happening, especially coming from the young guys, because guess what? They're your next generation of players. So if they're doing this now, they're going to keep doing it as they're older and the younger guys are going to see that. And they're going to be like, well, if the seniors are doing it, I can be doing it right. There's no accountability. 
That's the problem. I mean, JT, they're looking like a Miami squad from those mid-2000s that thought whatever came before them would keep occurring if they didn't put the hard work in and they violate team rules. And they also look like the Miami squad now with all these four and five stars. But guess what? They don't produce and they're not disciplined. They were losing the FIU and, in the Orange Bowl. And the, yeah. and the record reflects who you are. And that goes to show not only Texas A&M, but Miami. Uh, you know what? We, did, we we had a first and a last on this show. This guy, you didn't do it right. He said, a valuable source said something, but you didn't say what the source said. So we'll talk <laughs> about that. You, you got to learn how to deliver that. I can tell you. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. The night before the Miami game, certain Texas A&M players were off campus at a party to a nearby local university. Now, this is the night before a huge game where you're trying to turn your season around, right? Like it's mid-September. These are freshmen. Like what's going on here? You've obviously, lost to App State. Uh, yeah, obviously at home. Obviously your culture, you have not set the tone, the accountability, the culture as the head coach, as Jimbo Fisher, for these guys to believe, hey, we can't go this night before a big game. This is a prime time, eight o'clock, nine o'clock game. Hey, those on UN ESPN. players would have made it work. We would have partied and then beat them by fifty. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know, that falls that falls on on Jimbo for them to then be back and do this again. They obviously aren't respecting Jimbo. Uh, Interestingly, sorry, JT, but you know, the Florida State people will say that. He left the Florida State culture in the gutter when he left for AM. and And it took a while to turn that around. And, and so I would not blame Florida State fans for believing that, even though Coach, I don't it's, like It's funny that there. you mentioned FSU because that was going to be the first part of my answer. I think you guys are being a little too hard on Jimbo because you expect too much from him. It's clear as day that Jameis Winston made Jimbo Fisher. So I'm not shocked that all this is going on. Like his success as a coach is tied to Jameis Winston. And that was, that guy was number one overall pick in the draft. So that is that. Most of what's going on is this is just a Texas A&M uh, culture issue. Like this is who they are. They get a bunch of great all-world recruits and they do absolutely nothing. They either underachieve or they get in trouble and fall off the face of the earth. You want to talk about quarterbacks. Look at the quarterbacks they've had over the past 15 years. Manziel. You forgot Kyler Murray was there. Like they, uh, Kyle Allen, who's number one overall quarterback coming out of high school in the NFL, still like they've had quarterbacks and they just can't get it done because I do think there is something to what you were saying that the fans are too nice. I think this is a Texas football thing. I just think they, they treat the kids too well to where they just do whatever they want. Like I think. University of Texas has this issue, too. And I've heard people that go there say, like, hey, like, guys that play football at Texas don't want to leave early because it's, like, the best experience of their life. Like, they treat them like kings. And it's, like, sometimes you can't – that can't always be the culture because, in a sense, you're coddling these guys when they need to be growing up, getting their getting the job done so they can go on to the next level. Like, it is – you're a student athlete, but it's a job at the end of the day. And I just think – Texas A&M has always had this issue where they get these guys in, they underperform, or they get arrested and get and get kicked off the team. So something in that program is broken. I don't know if it's the AD. I don't know if it's, you know, the boosters, alumni, like whoever is is over this culture. But this ain't a Jimbo Fisher thing. The only thing he's guilty of is being a sorry coach that's overrated on offense. It is, this is the Texas A&M way. Like, we, 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 we don't work hard, but we play hard and we might win, 
And this is, I don't understand like why people don't see like this always happens. Like this is no different than the Manziel situation. Except the only thing is they just won. Like so, even before. So JT, let me ask you this. If they got a new coach, you don't think that new coach would be able to turn it around? No, because it depends on who the coach is. It's got to be, here's the thing. It's got to be a coach that every every player either hates or fears. Like, yeah, they hate Jimbo Fisher because they just don't like him. They don't respect or fear him. Same thing with Kevin Summons. Like, yeah, he was great offensive mind, but I don't think they respected or feared him. It's got to be somebody with that kind of cachet to be like, kind of like, like, like a Chip Kelly where it's like, look, it's my way. And if I have to gut this thing for two years, I'll do it. Like it's it's just something in that program is just rotten. And as soon as you go there, man, it's like vapors. You just catch it. Like you can't help yourself. JT, you know how much Jimbo Fisher got paid this year? A lot. <laughs> nine million dollars. You know whose fault it is? The guy that earns nine million dollars is in the in is the head of the football team. I don't care what happened before. I don't care, oh, Kevin that, Sumlin. Keep that I don't same care, energy when we have many Diaz conversations. I don't care, I don't but care anyway. R.C. Slocum. I, I will bring it. Okay, but okay, but, but that's like I don't that's care like what saying, happened before, guys. That's like saying it's on Jimbo. That's like Fisher. saying a company hires me to be. Let's say I'm I'm in I'm in management, right? And they're they're hiring me to do something and you know head up this team, and I go there, and I fail. Is it on me? Yeah, but now I look at their history. Every person that had this position has failed. They failed. Like that tells you the company is sort of responsible for these failures. And that's what's going on at AM. Like they hire guys, but they are not, they're not hiring guys into an environment where these kids can be held accountable and actually be coached. I would believe you if this was a rookie coach or a coach that's only been at the program one or two years. This was his fifth season. There's no more of, oh, let's get his guys in there. But that, or, hey, it's going to take time to build the call. JT, so but basically you, but that, but that what you're saying you, is tell you, basically tell what you're how saying. How much they're responsible for, no matter who that, they put in that but, situation. But it that's never not works. true. Because you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, they can turn it around. If the Cincinnati Bengals can turn it around and get to a Super Bowl. Man. Pros are okay, different. Okay, who, who do you, you want to bring up? Michigan with Harbaugh. Everyone thought he couldn't win. Now he did. Like, go go look at the history of things. It can be changed. It, you need to hire the right guy. You need to hire the right guy. I'm At telling Nebraska, you right now, Jimbo Fisher could go to another school. He could he could go to UF and they would be amazing. No, they you wouldn't. You know why? No, they would Because you, you because just UF said it yourself. Because UF has no, a better culture. You just said it yourself in that Jameis is the reason why he succeeded. And Coach Connor just said the Florida State fans believe he ruined that culture. So what makes you believe he's going to go to the Florida Gators right now and instantly turn them into a championship team? Because that's what you expect from him. So if he can't do that at they won't Florida, be five and seven, then it's I on him that. too. I, I would not. I would not. I don't, I don't wouldn't agree with you, you, you that. Mr. Nah. Mr. Mr. Executive financial person, you're going to put your money on that? That they, they, they would not be five and seven? I mean, it it depends. I don't know. Depends what happens before he gets there and what he does when he gets there. Here's the thing: I know that Jimbo Fisher can do. He can recruit. He gotta get. He gotta get good enough quarterbacks to come to UF. The thing is, A and M can get these guys, but they just can't make them go to work. That is a that is a school issue. They've always done this. That's not a school issue. They they had Kyler Murray. They had Kyler Murray there. Kyler Murray. 
It's, like, a, school, it's a school issue. They in had the sense Johnny of, Man. They had Johnny Manziel there. Like this, these are some of the best college football quarterbacks so, over the past two decades. So if like, Nick Saban goes there, nah, it's gonna be same old Texas A&M. No, All I right. think it's. I think it's Saban section. is Saban next is section. We're running out of time. They, they, You're they, out of time. Work. Next section. Our favorite segment. Let's just get to our favorite segment. All right. No one else wants to hear anything from you. Jesus, man. Our favorite segment is predictions. Right. Anytime there's predictions involved. So. Now that the college football season is over and JT is finally done talking about Jimbo Fisher and his love for Jimbo Fisher, let's do some end of year predictions. All right, Coach Cassidy, you'll go first, then JT, then then myself. All right, we're going to go through some of these awards. The Bolitnikoff Award, which is for best receiver. Coach Connor, who you got? Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State. Ooh. All right, JT. Ditto. It's all in the name. Listen, I'm going Jalen Hyatt. If you watch that Alabama game, I don't care who else is out there. I'm going. I'm going. I Jaylen watched the Georgia Hyatt. game too, though. Hey, I, I didn't say the Georgia game. I said the Alabama yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. So make sure your glasses work. Yep, they do. The Doak Walker Award, which is best running back, Bijan Robinson. Don't Jason. even come to me with this question. You know who my pick is. It's Bijan, of course. That's my. That's my guy. I really wanted to go elsewhere, but when I do the numbers, you know I'm a stats guy. I really wanted to go Chase Brown of Illinois, but the numbers say Bijan Robinson, 6.1 yards per carry, 18 rushing touchdowns, can't can't beat it. Outland Trophy, which is best offensive lineman. Oh my God, who can pronounce the guy's name? The center from Michigan, Oluwatimi. That's not bad. I think I think that's pretty close. He had a great game against uh, Ohio State. Uh, just an excellent, excellent player. I think he deserves the outland. JT? I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name, too. I'm going uh, Peter Skaronsky, Northwestern. He, he he seems like the type of guy that Ohio State wish they had right now. They'd be tough if they had him. So I agree with you. I'm going with Peter Skaronsky. You got the name right. That's great because JT isn't always great with names. He still butchers my name. And listen, I'm sorry about not taking the pit guy in the Michigan Center. But you know why I'm going with Peter Skaronsky? If he is on this list with a Michigan and Pitt guy, and what was Northwestern's record? One and eleven. One and eleven. If he made the list one and eleven, I don't know. I don't know much about offensive line. I like to pretend I do because I think it's the most important position outside the quarterback on the field. But so I'm not going to say like I'm an expert on offensive line because I'm not, and not anywhere near it. But if people are putting this guy at one and eleven at Northwestern on the list. He must be pretty dang good. So I'm going to go with Peter Skaronsky. I think he's got the highest draft stock too, right? I, I don't. That's I why we got you as the expert. Love it. That's why we got you. I'm not Coach said, said he got the highest. He got the highest. Hey, he got the highest. Those little tidbits. Mel Kuyper, look out. He's coming for your job. All right. Butkus Award winner, which is best linebacker in the country. Jack Campbell, Iowa. Yeah. If it's an Iowa guy on the list, I got to pick him. I'm going – Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. Shout out to our guy, Kendall Calhoun. Kendall would love that. Listen, he had 119 tackles and as a linebacker, eight sacks. That's why this guy's a finalist for the Butkus Award winner. Don't let the name and the prestige of being an Iowa linebacker in the Big Ten fool you guys. This is the guy. He produced, played at a a good program in Cincinnati. I'm going with, with Pace Jr. The Jim Thorpe Award. Who you got, Coach Connor? Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. Okay, okay. JT? 
I'm going to let you guess who I picked. I'm going to say the guy from Utah. There Clark we go. Phillips Clark the third. Phillips the third. Because he's three times as good. <laughs> and he went to Utah, JT's favorite school outside of Miami. I'm going to go with the third guy, Devin Witherspoon. And I'll tell you why. Consistency. All four years at playing in college football, just consistent. Stuck it out. And when you look at his stats, you know, only three interceptions, but 42 tackles as a corner, 14 pass defenses, tied for sixth in the country, and he's physical. Listen, JT, you know why I didn't take Clark Phillips the third? Because he went to Utah. (laughs) No, go look up that game against USC and what they did passing. 381 yards by Caleb Williams, five touchdowns, two receivers over 100 yards. Where were you? Where were if you're that good as JT says to win this award, that doesn't happen. All I got to say about that. But but coach, if your guy was out there, he would have shut him down like vintage Deion Sanders. That's what he's saying. Yeah, Devin Witherspoon. Oh, for sure. He would have had three interceptions just off of Caleb alone. He would have got burnt like Artie. So, coach, shout out to Artie Burns, our my guy, coach of the year, Coach Connor. Sonny Dykes, TCU, playoff in year one. JT. I wanted to pick him, man. I, I know this pick won't win, but oh, I just think- it's not a consent. This is see, this is what I, I can't work with the guy. How don't how can't all three of us have Sonny Dykes? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Who you got? I got hypo, man. I just I'm just 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 from just from just from a standpoint of nationally, like how people view Tennessee now, like what they've seen, like that's amazing. Like Tennessee has been horrible, man. Like they beat Alabama. Like people thought they could beat Georgia. People thought they were a playoff team, and like they've played well. Like Heupel has got them humming. Like so this, this is why I, I, I actually I, I think it's a good pick. It crossed my mind. I think there's a lot of strong candidates for Coach of the Year this year. Yeah, but there's only one. It's Sonny Dykes. I, it's hands down. If you're picking anyone else but Sonny Dykes, I got a question. You here, here, here's here's why I didn't. It was very close. Like Sonny is obviously like I think he's going to win the award. Is TCU can do this. Like we've seen TCU go to go. We've seen them go to a Rose Bowl. Oh, like Tennessee them. can't. Tennessee has national no, but, championships. But when's, but when's the but when's the last time you've seen Tennessee like be like this? When's the last time you saw TCU like this? They just I mean, went to, to the Rose Bowl level. not too long ago. To this no, according to you, you got to go undefeated. If not, you're declining or you're being overtaken. Hey, look, I just feel like what Heupel did. That degree of difficulty is insane. Like I, it, he's not going to get the award, but. He could he he is an MVP like that. The, tennis Tennessee is on the map now nationally. Okay, Heisman winner, Coach Connor, Caleb Williams, uh, USC, and I actually think he had a better performance with uh, you know Heisman moments against UCLA two weeks ago. Mm. Okay, JT? I love Caleb. He's my favorite player, but I think they're going to give it to CJ Stroud. Nah. thank you look at that (laughs) you you guys said you said ohio state's not dead the brand is still there you've had two laughers of picks there those last two it's caleb williams you know why not only that ucla but he had his heisman moment against notre dame when you beat notre dame in prime time historically that leads you to the road of the heisman when you're worthy of it i feel like everyone else played themselves out of the Heisman conversation and they like drummed up his Heisman moment against Notre Dame. I, where was the Heisman moment? He beat Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, but who's 15th in the though. country. And that's where I think that the the week prior when people weren't talking about it as much, that was a close game against UCLA. And he actually had to go out and make yeah. critical plays and critical moments to help his team win a one position game 
Whereas against Notre Dame, USC was just a better team at home. And he's just like running around there in the backfield like it's like, you know, recess football. <laughs> now, granted, he's like the best athlete on the field. He's making great plays. But I think like it was it was kind of like overhyped for me. I my liking. I think you mean the, the Notre Dame play? Just like the, all the Heisman hype. I feel like it was a little generated. Well, I'm not I think, saying he doesn't deserve it. Right. He, he hasn't earned it's it. It's that USC quarterback nostalgia. I think guys like you and I, Coach Connor, I wouldn't normally put JT in this, but after those last two picks, I can't. But guys like you and I do see that, do see that UCLA performance. All I'm saying is the media and the hype's going to see that Notre Dame, and that's why he's getting it. Yeah. But I, I, I agree. If, if Caleb you. Williams doesn't win the Heisman, you know you're never going to hear the end of this, right? <laughs> that's fine. That's okay, cool. As long as so, you know. So the O'Brien Award, are you saying, JT, as far as best quarterback, you're going C.J. Stroud, and we would go Caleb Williams. Then? No, I'm going Caleb. I I can see a scenario where Caleb gets that, and then Stroud gets the Heisman. See, I think if anything, it'd be flip. C.J. Stroud gets the quarter because I think his lack of performing against Michigan in terms of leading his team that that's not going to sit well with with voters. We'll I, I just think that's the way it is. All right, so most disappointing team and most disappointing player. It doesn't need to be on the same team. It can if you want, but Coach Connor? Uh, most disappointing player, I went with Will Levis. Uh, he came in with a lot of preseason hype, uh, high draft stock. Um, and, you know, he was banged up a little bit throughout the year. Um, but I, I think he just, like, didn't live up to the preseason hype, which, uh, you know, it's always that's always tough with all the media this day and age and all the hype. But – I think the big thing for me is that ultimately his team ended up with a seven and five record, three and five in the SEC. And he ended up with, you know, like a two to one ratio of touchdowns, interceptions with 19 touchdowns and uh, 10 interceptions. So that would be my most disappointing player. My most disappointing team, Michigan State. Hmm. Look back at last year's final rankings. They finished in the uh, postseason top 10. They were preseason top 15 team this year. They finished at five and seven. Ooh. Not going to qualify for a bowl game. Two of their wins come against MAC opponents. They're blown out by their big rivals, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. They lost to Maryland. They lost to Minnesota. And they're playing overtime games with Indiana and Wisconsin. So that's now where Michigan State's sitting in the Big Ten. This guy went down their whole schedule. He's like, I'm going to call you out. Not he was like, none not, of this shit not was good. To mention, not, well, you know, I, I kind of had a few other choices in there, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, you got to go with Michigan State. Not to mention the tunnel incident, mm. right? Which, yeah. is, which is exactly. still which is yep. still ongoing. Okay. That adds mm. to it. I think you definitely got to take into consideration off, off the field stuff, too, when you're talking about most disappointing season. JT. I got to give Michigan State a little reprieve, though, because I feel like a program like that, when you lose like a Kenneth Walker, like the next year is it's it's hard to replicate that, but yeah, they were really disappointing. Um, team Texas A and M, we just talked about them. Like they were supposed to be, like possibly knocking on the door of a playoff team, being a playoff team. You look five and seven. They lost to what App State. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to Auburn. And here's the thing: nobody's talking about. They almost lost to UM. Like we were in that game until <laughs> until TVD started playing like he'd ever played football before. But this is bad. And then you throw in all the other, you know, off the field stuff that we talked about. Like that is the most disappointing program because it was supposed to be one of the best teams NIL money could buy. Uh player, I do agree with you on Will Levis. Uh absolutely all his stats regress, less touchdowns, less passing yards. 
Will Levis is the type of guy that's going to get an NFL coach fired, and you just know it. And when you when you get that job, you're just like, you know what? Hopefully, my buddies will realize it's not all me. So I definitely agree with him. And then I'll throw in um, Jackson Smith Najiba, but he was hurt. But I, I I did hear before the season that that NFL scouts and teams were not viewing him as a first round pick. So I think where everybody was like, oh, like, you know, he's the next Jamar Chase. Maybe he's not, and then maybe getting hurt maybe saved him, but. I just think he was going to have an underwhelming year this year because he was going to command so much attention because he had so much hype from the previous season. I'm going to go with Miami and Tyler Van Dyke. I think it's hands down because at least A&M played Alabama tough and beat LSU. Miami gets destroyed by their rival, lose handedly to Duke. Now, granted, Duke's improved, but Miami Duke, like you got to win those football games. We can lose in basketball, can't lose in football. You get beat by Middle Tennessee. You get destroyed again by Clemson. And then you get destroyed again by Pitt. Three games in a row there. Florida State, Clemson, Pitt toward the end of the year. I mean, the taste in their mouth is terrible right now. At least AM has something to build off of with that LSU win. Right. And Michigan State knew there was going to be, like JT said, knew there was going to be regression. But the way Miami blew this season is why it's so disappointing, not even making a bowl. I mean, there were a lot of expectations in terms of just the way they would look, the way they would play, the culture would be different. Hasn't changed. It's been 12 months now. And then on top of that, Tyler Van Dyke, we can talk about Levis, but do we still think he'll at least get drafted high? Sure. Tyler Van Dyke's not getting drafted if he goes out right now. And this guy was on the top 10 board of guys like Mel Kuyper. So, I mean, he couldn't even complete the season with injuries, too. Talk about a disappointing season. At least Will Levis won, I see in your notes, seven wins, right? Tyler Van Dyke, how many true wins does he have to his name? Two? How many and complete games does he have to his name? Two. <laughs> like, three, four, and that's it. So, I mean, it's Miami and Tyler Van Dyke, hands down. And I'm not being a pessimistic Miami fan with saying nah, that. The, it's the just, rage is strong with this one. I see it. That's It's just the truth. What about most surprising team and player? Oregon State. Uh, right now, they're sitting at number 15 in the CFP, and they're 16 in the AP in the coaches' poll. They're 9-3. and three. Two of their losses were three points, one to UW uh, in Seattle and uh, a three-point loss to USC. I mean, not bad losses, right? They got beat up a little bit by Utah at Utah, but – uh, you know, good wins. Their out-of-conference wins are actually pretty respectable in Boise State and Fresno, who are both going to be playing in championship games against one another this weekend. They were 7-6 and six last year. I mean, that's a great turnaround. Jonathan Smith, Jonathan Smith has done a great job with Oregon State. Uh, very surprising season from them. Uh, surprising player, I'm going with Drake May, uh, the redshirt freshman. Good call. Uh, quarterback from UNC, who has just now garnered uh, first-team All-ACC honors. Um He's got an incredible stat line with 3,800 yards passing, 35 TDs to only five interceptions. Uh, he's helped lead UNC to a 9-3 and record, and he's got them playing for the ACC championship game coming up against Clemson this weekend. JT? Man, he, he definitely stole my uh, player. I, I strike May. I don't think, it, think it's close. I, I, I wanted to throw in something else. Dude's a freshman, and he had 600 yards on the ground with six more touchdowns. It's just he's the type of guy where I look at it, I test he passes and then like you know you read up all the metrics and analytics he's he's the best passing quarterback in the country as a freshman like that's insane so he'll be he'll be the number one pick at some point in three years when he's ready to come out um 
team Oregon Oregon State I like that but I feel like I kind of saw them just come in last year like you can see them like he, he's been building this they did well last year and I think they kind of just capitalized on that but that is a very good pick you know being in Canada I had to watch you know a lot of those late you know Pac-12 Pac-12 Pac games that weren't so late for me so I got the one of your many games. homes anyway see that's why I gotta ignore him he's he's a He's always throwing stuff out there that's not true. And you got people asking me questions and I got an answer to the IRS. You're not you're not being my friend right now. Notice um, he's like, they just got to ignore him. And he just diverted two minutes of the show to yeah. saying why he should have uh, ignored yeah, some, me. Some, some, sometimes sometimes when your co-host is senile, you just got to just let them be. Um, most surprising team. I had two, but I'm just going to go with the I'm going to go with the one uh, Tulane. They're 10 and two. I think they had what, two wins last year. And. They're in a conference with, with UCF and some other really good teams, and it's like Tulane. Like nobody thinks about Tulane as as anything, not much less a football school. And this is the most wins they've had since 1998 when they went undefeated. So you just think about that. Like that's an incredible year for them. And then another school that they've been so bad for so long. Like I haven't even noticed that they've been good for two years, and that's uh, University of Texas San Antonio. Like they're usually horrible. And they had 10 plus wins as well. So those those two teams, I don't know how they're doing it, but that is impressive to me. I think the most surprising team is TCU. If I would have sat here at the beginning, if we did a college preview show and said they're going to go 12 and 0 undefeated, run the table, be ranked third in the college football playoffs. Regardless, hey, great job, UTSA. Um, great job, Tulane, great job, Oregon State. That's taking nothing away from those teams. But if seriously, if we would have sat here and put those four teams, put their records at the beginning of the season and say, hey, which one is most unlikely to happen? The team that won two two games last year. So you're saying you're you're saying what I'm saying is if those are going to those are I don't care what TCU's record is. They had a new coach coming in, which you don't think he's the coach of the year. So obviously it's got to be the most surprising team. So then the other thing is the player, even though I thought he already had a great season the year before and I thought he could reach this level, is Hendon Hooker, most surprising. And the reason why I say that is exactly what JT said about why Hypo is the coach of the year is that, you know, oh, he turned this program around and this and that. Well, if you're going to say that, then Hendon Hooker has got to be your most surprising player because who would have saw this coming? And, And this is what I mean by that. For him to be that late in the season, we're talking about Heisman race, having a Heisman moment against Alabama. Like those guys you mentioned, absolutely. Like Drake May, absolutely surprising. But again, we've seen that from freshman quarterbacks. When's the last time we've seen that from a Tennessee team doing that to Alabama and being in the Heisman conversation? So I'm, com- I'm confused. Aiden Manning, is, 1998. Is he, is he the coach of the year or not? Because I feel like you're kind of saying Hypo is right no, now. because. Because the reason I didn't pick Hooker is because he's he really had a good year last year as well. Understood. So I, I wasn't Understood. surprised. But but let me tell you something. Were you picking him as a Heisman winner at the beginning of the year? Well, if you we could have sat me, here, you we would be shocked. I might we have. Could, we could have sat here and looked at it strategically and said, Drake May, oh, he is starting at UNC because you love their offense with Phil Longo and 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 Mac Brown because you think they're the the cream of the crop in the in the well, I mean, well, they're division. in the ACC champ. You see okay. how he does this? Exactly. When I'm right about so, something. He'll so be my like, point, well, you say this this ridiculous shit so, and it's not right. So, so my point is that Drake May, we could have seen this as a freshman and being Nobody freshman player of the coming, year. Bro. He's a freshman. I don't think people would have said with the Heisman with 
Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Bijan Robinson, that Hendon Hooker would have been this late in the Heisman conversation in taking Tennessee. It's Hooker that took that team. Sonny Dykes took TCU. Hypel is part of that whole Tennessee change so, with so Hendon Hooker at the helm. Basically, your guys are responsible for all the success yes. of the bye guys. Now you got it. Ride. I, I, I get it. Perfect. You, you, all right. you got a really weird way of, of, of trying to say you're right. Next question. This is the big one. This is why we bring you in as the expert, Coach Connor. You've always been right at this. You've been great at this. So no pressure, by the way. College football playoff, your prediction, who the four teams will be, and then the champion. You know what? Nothing, like, revelatory here. I think our rankings from this week will hold. I think all these uh, one through four are going to win. I think we're going to see the same seeding. So, uh, Georgia at one and T uh, and uh, excuse me, USC at four. I think Georgia's going to win that one. I've got Michigan at two and TCU at three. I think Michigan's going to win that one, which will end up giving us a championship game rematch of the first round from last year, which Georgia was just better. And I think Georgia again will hoist that trophy. I think they're the best team. I think they've got the path. Uh, so there you go. JT, he must be looking at my notes. I got this exact same thing written down. <laughs> I just don't think it. Like, so you don't need to talk then. No, I forget. forget I'm, I will say this. Um, I want to give you your 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 flowers on this show because I feel like we didn't get to do it last time. Uh, you you called this Georgia resurgence. He did. Coach did. Not you. You don't you don't call anything done. The coach, <laughs> the expert, called this 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 Georgia wave of dominance, and it's continued. Like a I don't year and a half care. ago, he called it. I don't even care who gets in like Georgia is going to win this national championship. And it's like, I want to kick myself for not seeing this last year, but I, it's so clear this year that they're going to win. It's like, why are we having the conversation? Now go ahead and tell me how Sonny Dykes is going to revolutionize the playoff <laughs> and win. Cause well, show, show me he's really your guy. Cause I know you, I know you're not to have the confidence to say he's going to win it all. Yeah, let, let me let me let me really bring <clears throat> some truth to the table here with how this playoffs going to come with how Georgia. it's going to come out. It's going to be Georgia, Michigan, USC, Ohio State gets in through the back door. So, with that said, it is Georgia though. None of those teams, none of those other three teams are going to be able to compete at that stage with Georgia. So Georgia will take care of Ohio State in that first round. Michigan, USC, hey, great, you're playing for second place in a beating from Georgia. So TCU's losing? Yeah, we'll, hey, we'll get that. the weekend predictions. All right. All right, so one of our new segments, first time for you, Coach Connor, is hot or not. All right, so what that means is we're going to give you a statement, not a question, JT. We're going to give you a statement, and then if you believe it's true, you're going to say it's a hot take, meaning it's good. If you don't think it's true and you think it's garbage, you're going to say not. All right, JT. I, I understand that. I'll preface this: this is when this is where you want to show that million dollar smile and you know get everything ready because these are usually the ones that end up online. These are the bites online. See, so. I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's and the, the money first ball, one. Right? The first one's the toughest one. Hmm. Okay. So go ahead. So and ask let, him. let's go with it. Coach Connor, you you get the the uh, privilege of going first here. Dude, this is like a coin toss, and the coin is standing on its side. Hot it's or a, not. It's, it's like both hot and not hot all at once. All right, so 
the statement, Georgia is officially the new Alabama, and Kirby has passed Saban as the best coach in the country. Okay, so this is a hot take because it's going to take Georgia at least five more years to win the five more championships that they need to to catch up to Alabama for this dynasty that Alabama is, you know, just completing perhaps. All right, so that's why it's a hot take. So that's good. You agree with the statement part. Okay. But where is this not a hot take? Okay. Well, we were just discussing it. Georgia last year went undefeated and won the national title. They are now sitting undefeated and look to be in the driver's seat to win another national title. And if you look at the future, it's looking pretty good. The recruiting is great. Kirby's young. He's energetic. He's got the whole thing rolling. What team is in the best position to be the next dynasty of college football? Georgia. So, got it. Got it. So, I don't even know where I am. So, I guess so, it, it's both hot and not at the same time. But so, you just got to flip it. So, it's, oh, hot. Okay. it's hot because you do agree that they're, they're positioned to be the next Alabama. It's not because it is still going to take them some time to yeah, do it. There you go. So you're, okay. you're hot on the team and you're not on the saving part, really. Well, he didn't answer the saving part. The saving part? That's what Kirby passing saving has passed. Has passed. I don't know. That's I, I think that's uh that I think that's all in like the timing. Like in the moment, who's the better coach? Probably Kirby. Like who would I hire right now if I had to hire a coach? Probably hiring Kirby, right? But if you're looking at like a career record of accomplishment, I think his best you, coach right now in the country, Kirby. So it's a hot take. There you go. All right, JT, you got the man's see, answer. See, he he always turn. he always like, oh, you, you bringing up these drama questions. These are legit. These are legit concerns from people out there in the Coach world. Connor, don't fall for the trap. Go yeah. ahead, JT. You want you want to talk about it? Both of these are hot takes, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, Georgia is better. We just discussed why they're going to be the champions this year, and then they are one of the only programs in the country that have been immune from NIL and also the transfer portal. Like. That does not affect them at all. And then as far as Kirby Smart, yeah, I think he is the best coach in the country. He has surpassed Saban as of right now. And the main reason that is is because I just think Kirby Smart makes football fun, and he's more energetic, he's younger, and that clicks more with today's players. Like, they want to have fun while they're playing. They can do that at Georgia. They necessarily might not be able to do that at Alabama in those days of having, you know, that that dictator – you know, coaching you, it's not as popular. So, yeah, I agree. Program's better, and right now the coach is better. Not and not. What is wrong with you guys? Listen, if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt in that title game, Alabama beats Georgia in that game, all right? So that's one thing right there. And, and I know it's it's whether you won, right, or lost, and Georgia did Oh, now win. you don't know the quote that, now? Then it, <laughs> and that's not taking anything away from Georgia, but to say they're the new Alabama, as far as I know, Alabama's still going to be in the top five recruiting. They're still going to be there at the end, and they could still get in this this time, as well as you're going to have to face them again next year, and Alabama's just going to reload. And then as far as has passed Nick Saban, I know you can't see it. Let me – can I can – I, here, I'm going to put that up because every time at a press conference, Nick Saban has one of these Coke bottles there. So he has not – Kirby Smart has not passed Nick Saban. Let's not put Nick Saban away just yet, all right? 
as I'm far really, as I'm, I'm really even, trying to understand even, that, that analogy even, about the Coke bottle. I don't get it. <laughs> you never seen at the press conferences. What's that got to do with him being the best coach? Because of this is representing Nick Saban, his Coca-Cola sponsorship. So hey, you 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 sit next to him. Get him, man. You see this with <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, Lord. Why All did right. you need to interrupt it? No one was gonna see it unless you were gonna put that clip on IG, which you weren't. I was, but, I, I was. So I, for the I listeners on you were going for with the listeners on the podcast, because JT always has to ruin things, and now I gotta explain the visual. I have a Coke bottle, all right, Coca-Cola bottle, and I was just pointing it to the camera because at the press conferences on his little podium, Coach Saban always has the Coke bottle. So it was in honor of him saying that, hey, you're still the best. But anyway, JT always has but, to remember. But he going to be Let's just go to like the next you, one. not in the playoffs and at home. So so anyway, next question. Mario Cristobal is a fraud, and UM should be concerned. Coach. That's a hot take. You got to give the man some time to do do his thing. He'll get it right. That he said, oh, he so said you're saying not. not. You said you're not. saying not, then. You disagree with that. It's a garbage take. Oh, okay. All right. Hot all take right. is good. Like you agree. Okay. All yeah. Right, yeah. All right, all right. So this want is me a do, not. Let me ask him again. Right. No, no, no. It's, it's fine. Right, so I got to flip all these. So you're saying it's not. Yeah, that's not hot. Not hot. No, no. Hot. That's not that's hot. cold. I, I'm going to go with it's not hot at the moment. It's give them time. Everyone keeps telling me, oh, let his guys come in. Uh, they're going to work hard. He's going to turn it around. The culture is going to be turned around, even though, you know, we go five and seven with the same guys. Man, he went seven and five and actually beat Pitt and and could compete with Duke and beat Duke and compete with Florida State. But I'll say it's not a hot take right now. I'll, I'll give you that, JT. I agree. I, I think it's not a hot take because I think we've talked about this before. The situation in Miami, I think, just was worse than people expected on both sides. I think the program was not in as, as good a shape as people thought it was. I think people thought maybe Mario Cristobal was a little bit of a better actual X's and O's coach that they thought he was before he came to Miami. And you just look at what's going on in Miami. New coach, new staff, new AD. It's like a complete rebuild. It's going to be a slow start. He's even said it that, you know, this is going to be, a, you know, two, three year thing at the very least. And then the other last part about this where I don't, I think it's overreaction is look at Nick Saban. We just talked about him. First year at Bama, they were, what, seven and six, and they lost at home to UL Monroe. So I know you're upset about us, you know, losing these games in embarrassing fashion. But remember, Saban didn't start off as hot either, and look where he's at now. So he'll be okay. This is a cold take. He loves – he's just comparing everyone to Nick Saban today. But you know what, Kirby Smart? Because everybody, everybody got a Coke bottle. Everybody got a Coke bottle. But Kirby Smart surpassed Nick Saban. It's okay. But let's compare everybody to Coach Kirby's Saban. Kirby's goaded. Coach Saban's still the standard, though. All right. So next one, Coach Connor. TCU is the most complete team in the country. Not hot as long as UGA is still playing. JT? Yeah, I agree, man. <laughs> as long as UGA got six foot eight aliens playing third string tight end, they will always be the most complete team in the country. Yeah, I, I'll I agree with you guys. Not not hot, not hot. So this one, I actually am very interested to see where you guys are going to go with the Clemson era as we know it is now over. Is a hot take or not, Coach? This is a hot take. Uh, I think when when the question says the Clemson era as we know it, we're referring to six 
uh, CFP appearances, four championship game appearances, and two national championships. And this year alone, right, they've got two losses uh, to Notre Dame and to uh, South Carolina. They beat Wake and OT, um, you know, in one game, one possession games or one score games against Syracuse and Florida State. Um, you know, they're just not commanding and winning uh, with ease the ACC like they used to. Now, part of that is the ACC has probably gotten stronger across the board around them, but they have definitely fallen off. And it's no longer just like write Clemson into the championship game, write them into the playoff. You know, they, they they do not have the talent. They're not winning and performing with that consistency. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. It, it's a hot take. Um, I think with the expansion of the playoffs, too, and now that the ACC is going to go to the different schedule and they're taking the top two. And I think if you look at it also, right, quarterback plays falling off. That offense outside of the Miami game has fallen off. Like, they're not as dominant, as you mentioned, all those teams in the ACC as they once were in South Carolina. Like, three years ago, they just waxed South Carolina in that game. Now, all of a sudden, South Carolina's coming in and winning in stopping a 40-game home winning streak, which, thank you, South Carolina. Shout out to South Carolina and Shane Beamer because – they were getting real close, Clemson, to Miami's all-time home record of 58 home wins at the OB. So, shout out to Shane Beamer. Did anyone think Shane Beamer worthy of Coach of the Year? Woo. I, I like, think he's, he'd be like number five on my list. He's up there. He's up there. Finish up strong. There. Yeah. Finish strong. He, he is up there. I, I, I mean, finally, one of JT's dramatized statements here where he finds online or comes up with in his sleep is finally true and it is a hot take like i think clemson clemson's still going to be good don't get me wrong like they're still going to win nine games but as far as that era yeah I, I i think i think it's over you're right i appreciate you shouting out my greatness i do come up with all this stuff in my sleep um yeah this is a hot take because they're going down the same path that um did when they first came into the ACC. this guy compares every downfall to, to miami it's like the roman empire with uh with miami it is, and I'll tell you why. It's eerily similar. They, they're coming off a dominant stretch, which Coach said, all those college football playoff appearances, all those national championship appearances. But here's the thing. This is why I think their era is, is coming to an end. The recruiting looks good on paper, but those guys are not developing, and also they are not being the level of player that you thought you were getting based on what they were rated as coming out of high school. And then what happens is you look up, two or three of those recruiting classes, most of these five stars and four stars are not hitting. And then boom, all of a sudden you're in trouble. And that's exactly why Clemson is falling right now. All the guys they were depending on to carry the torch, they're not good. And that is how a program gets in trouble. And that's the same thing that happened to you. And we were great. We thought we had, we were keeping tradition going by having all these great players come in because they were rated highly by recruiting services and they all sucked and we didn't develop them. And then look where we are now. We're losing at home to everybody. So, yeah, I think it's a hot take. I think two other things to throw in there about Clemson is, uh, and rightly so, Dabo has been criticized for the staffing. Uh, he's doing a lot of promoting from within to these coordinator positions when guys have been leaving, um, and maybe they could have benefited from going outside 
and getting some fresh perspectives and new coaches in, and also his management of the transfer port. A lot of people are leaving Clemson, but Dabo has been resistant to getting new guys into Clemson through the portal. And so that's really been like a talent drain on the program overall. Yeah. And could we, and real, before we go to the next one, can we just call it what it is? Like, this is what happens when the talented players make your program. Because if you look at his assistants, every time they leave, they get, they're horrible. Like, <laughs> they're horrible. Everywhere they've gone, they're horrible. So when Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, DeAndre Hopkins, you always talk about the, we call them the, uh, the bar, the bar linebackers and Ben Bolwer and Skowskowski. Like these guys are good enough. They make the program, like no matter who the coach is. So, but I that's like that. that at, that's like that at any program, to be honest, when you've had that high of a level. I mean, you know, you, Miami you back in the day, Jimmy Johnson was a great coach. But I mean, some of the guys he had were ridiculous, too. Yeah, but I you mean, but you on. but you know, you know what is supposed to happen when you get guys like a DJ Uleli in there and they might not be as good as the ranking. You're at least supposed to develop them to be serviceable. And Understood. That's a fair that. point. Yeah, that's a fair point. All right, so real quick, we know NFL is not your forte, Coach Connor. So you get you, you can still answer, but you know we understand that these aren't going to be pinpoint, accurate, exact, just like all your other answers in terms of the predictions and how it's going to come out. So we, we had to expand your responsibilities because you know that your Christmas <laughs> hey, bonus is the, coming. So the, we're so we're putting more on your and, plate. I look and, forward to it. And the budget's tight. You know our NFL experts, we can't afford all of them. JT's uh his his salary took up too much of the budget this year. So, and his uh holiday bonus. The Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. This is not hot because the last time I checked, the Eagles are still in the <laughs> NFC. Yep, and they're 10 and 1. And the last time I checked, I think the 49ers are still in the NFC. So oh, sneaky. You know. Hey, that's a sneaky good pick there. He's trying to tell us something, JT. Yeah, I'm going to say this is not because the Eagles are just the most complete team, not just in the NFC, but in the entire NFL. They're the best on online play on both sides of the ball. I think they have probably a top three quarterback. Their defense is top three in the league. Like they could win any type of game. They can slug it out in a run fest in the cold. Or they can go into a dome and put up 50 points with Josh Allen. I don't know any team that can do both of those things. And that's why I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. You know, I'm going to say it is not a hot take, but why why are you shaking your head like that? You, you did this great buildup like you were going to go on the limb and then you just stood well, right inside. Stu. The, the reason being, though, is it's the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. I'm going with the Vikings. I, you can shake your head all you want. They got the best receiver in the game. They still have a very good quarterback. They have a heck of a running game. You talk about, well, they could go here. If Philly could go here and win and go in a dome. Well, Minnesota plays in a dome, so I'm pretty sure they can win in a dome. They actually went to Buffalo in the cold, beat Buffalo at their own game. And, yeah, so I'm going to go Minnesota Vikings. He's so proud of himself. <laughs> so next. this I will become February. Sorry, it's really inner. You'll, you'll hate the Vikings by 103 on Sunday. <laughs> throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. There's no exactly. one else worthy on that team you need to throw it to. This one kind of ties into a lot of what we've been talking about today. Kyler Murray isn't the problem. It's Cliff Kingsbury, and he should be fired. Hot take or not? So this one's the second hard one, I think. Uh, only after that first one. Um, but I think this is... Uh, not a hot take because I think it takes two to tango. 
And, uh, you know, Ian Rappaport is reporting. Woo! Ian Rappaport is reporting that Kyler Murray can be tough to work with. And so I do think that Cliff Kingsbury should be fired. I thought it was a head scratcher when he got hired. Um, and I think he will get fired. Uh, and so he is definitely part of the problem. But I think Kyler Murray, he's got a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. He's certainly part of the problem. And I think he's got to, you know, adjust his attitude a little bit. You know, JT, I got to agree with Coach Connor. Um, I think Kingsbury is is the reason, but also Kyler Murray seems to be when when all of these reports are out there like that, at some point when there's smoke, there's fire. And while I'm not giving a pass to Cliff Kingsbury, I would never want to see anyone lose their job, whether it's a player or a coach. But if we're talking about this statement, then, you know, it is it's it's both in terms of hot and not because it's hot because Kingsbury probably should be fired. But it's also not hot because Kyler Murray probably is a big part of the problem. So, yeah, I agree with you, coach. I agree with both of you. I do think it's a hot take, and I think Cliff Kingsbury should be fired. Just you got go you got to know too. Kyler Murray is this dude's guy. Like you can't touch Kyler. You say anything bad about Kyler Murray, he will come for you. JT will come for you. Go ahead, JT. I had well, to preface it. it. I had to preface it. All right, all right, cool. Look, hey, I'm a Kyler Murray fan. I'm not hiding that. But let's just go to Cliff Kingsbury. This is what he does. He loses games, and this is what his career has been about. Shouldn't have had the job in the first place, had a losing record in the Big 12 with Patrick Mahomes, a conference where they play zero defense, but still couldn't have a winning record. And he should he, he shouldn't even have the job in the first place. Like he's experiencing the same struggles, both from managing the team and, you know, scheme standpoint that he had in college. You know, they're great between the 20s, but they struggle in the red zone. Like you can't do that in the NFL. And to the Cardinals. You got exactly what you paid for. You got a mediocre coach that's not going to have a winning record. So I don't really feel bad for them. And yeah, he should be fired. He is the problem because you paid for something. You got exactly what you paid for. See, two things there. One, because of Kingsbury, don't don't roll your eyes because I'm right. Because Kingsbury was hired, Kyler Murray went number one without Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, sorry to say this, does not go number one. It was a package deal in the eyes of the Cardinals' ownership. That's one. And then, you know, two, you want to always talk about this guy's a problem and this guy's a problem, but no one wants to talk about it. Well, you never want to admit and seem to say that Kyler Murray is a problem when everyone else says it. Teammates, the camera shows it on television, coaches, NFL executives, media, but you never want to admit it. So, at some point, when are you going to admit that Kyler Murray needs to produce and he needs to stop being the problem in terms of in the locker room? Because it's obviously now become a problem if Ian Rappaport is reporting. Yeah, yeah, he might got a little bit of that Adam Schefter sending it to the owners wow. to approve before okay. he releases it wow. first. So basically well, anyway. now everyone in the media, which you're included in the media, you're part of the media, buddy. I, hey, look. Sorry to admit it. Look, look, Robert Kraft ain't calling me to make sure I'm saying the right shit about his players. But I, I'm not saying Kyler Murray is not is, a, is absolved of all blaming. But let's be honest, like most quarterbacks are hard to work with. Like if Brady wasn't winning, we'd say the same about him. Kyler Murray, I will say this. He has played well enough to let me know that on the field, he is not the problem. Cliff Kingsbury has not like his 
the offense, they, that team has regressed every year under him. And it's like clockwork. Like, at what point do we got to say, like, look, like he's always been bad? Like, what was our love affair with him? And that's all I'm saying. He got to go because if Kyler Murray, if Kyler Murray had Andy Reid, they'd be in the championship. So that's all I got to say. So mm-hmm. let's go to the section where you're really going to make your money. And coach, we will post these. Uh, we we do keep score. So we'll put your you, name to it. If if you if you don't get these right, you will NFL be NFL heavy from us. slate. I've noticed <laughs> it's half and half. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, look, look, look. We're expecting you to be Vegas with this new uh, this new budget slash you know money that we've allocated towards you. So you're basically our also our our betting expert. So I want to know. I want to know where this new money is allocated coming it from. Don't, it don't concern you, bro. Exactly. Trust see? me. We got we we got new accountants. So I'm going to call it a game. Just let me know uh, who you think is going to win. And he's going to tally up the score. And we're going to see who's going to win at the end of now, the day. Now, since we're talking about gambling, are we going against the spread? No, no, no straight up no, money no, line. No, no. Straight up money line. That's can't afford that yet. Next year. All right, all right, all right. That's, hey, that's but Maryland, just for the people in Maryland. We're, it, we're now legal. It is now legal. DraftKings is, is there in Maryland. A lot of, a lot of promotions fly Have around. at it. Gamble responsibly. All right, first game on the docket, Utah at USC. This is going to be, I think, probably one of the two best college games of the weekend, so definitely tune in Friday night at 8 o'clock. Rematch from USC's only loss of the year, and I think, honestly, like this is one of those where the old adage, it's hard to beat a good team twice. Utah is going to struggle to beat USC again. Um, Obviously, Utah plays great defense, but I do believe that Lincoln Riley is a good offensive coach. You do have the Heisman winner. You got a great passing game. Um, they'll figure out a way to win a close game in a neutral field. I agree. USC. I love your uh, fight on. I love fight your on. Comment. We're not listening to you. I love your comment about uh, it's hard to beat a good team twice. It's also hard to beat a good player twice. I think my guy Jim Thorpe, Jim Thorpe, finalist. <laughs> makes life <laughs> makes life hard for <laughs> real hard. Five more touchdowns. Oh, sorry. They hold them to four touchdowns this week. Utah. Laugh now. Utah will win this game. All right. Next one on the docket. Uh, Kansas State versus TCU. All right. So now – Sorry. Go ahead. Hold on. Actually, hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Because I know he's he's biting his fingernails over there. He's nervous. (laughs) TCU or Kansas State? Don, who will win this game? Oh, you're going to me first. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Kansas State. I'll tell you why. Not only did I predict it earlier, because that's how TCU gets bumped out, Ohio State gets into the college football playoffs, but Vegas is going to agree with me. This line opened at a pickle. Think about this. We're talking about a team in the top three playing a team what they already beat, and it's for the title, and they're undefeated, and they're a pickle? And now, to show you how much, right, now TCU, as of recording of this podcast, is favored by two and a half. So that means a lot of them, it's a trap. A lot of the public money was coming on TCU for them to shift two and a half points. We're talking a lot of money. Now the sharp money is going to come in more toward game time. And I guarantee you that two and a half is going to go down. That means the sharp money, which I don't know if you know, coach Connor, sharp money, explain for the people at home, and especially JT, that's the professional better money coming in. That comes in closer to game time when they know about injuries and weather and blah, blah, blah. So that line's going to go down because now a lot more money's going on Kansas State because the professional bettors are betting on Kansas State. So you, that two and a half is going to go down. So that all leads me to believe this is Kansas State's 
victory. Damn, I, I didn't think this was a betting show, but it is now. But that is your coach of the year, guys. Sonny Dykes losing to Kansas State, a team he already beat. Coach hey, we talk Connor, about coach of the year, coach, coach of the regular coach, season. Coach, notice coach the Connor. Heisman. Coach, coach notice, Connor. notice the Home Depot you, award show occurs I, before all these games. I'm coming to you first going forward, but I just I just he's, really wanted to get to that change. out there. He's looking real close now. I wanted to get that he's, out there. He's looking to change his pick. Coach C, who you got? No, I think this is this is the other like tough pick and and uh, projected to be a great game of the weekend. They played a played a good game in the regular season uh, at TCU, um, and I'm going now against my adage that I used in the previous pick about it's hard to beat a good team twice. I just feel like TCU's got something right, and they they just almost feel like this team of destiny in a way, uh, and they they've been against the ropes multiple times this year and they've found ways to pull out wins and i think um you know the games in jerry world that's basically like a home field advantage for them um you know i just think you know sonny dykes the coach of the year will have his team ready to go i don't really care what vegas is saying because i'm not gonna have any money on the game <laughs> so I'm, I'm going with the horn frogs it's sunny d time and it's tcu man have faith in your guy see see you're not for real Oh, very interesting. LSU at Georgia. JT, did you give us a pick on that uh, KCTCU? Yes. Okay, all right, all right. TCU, Sonny D, right. Coach of the Year. All right, my fault. It's not LSU at Georgia. I mean, well, it LSU kind of is. Georgia it's the Georgia. it's in the dome. I'm so, so used to doing at. I'm sorry, LSU versus Georgia. See, this is why we got to take your weekend predictions uh, credentials away from you. You can't. You can't even have faith in your Coach of the Year to win. Against a team that they already beat. <laughs> hey, so it's you, a regular season award. It's a regular season award. What do you want? All right, who's Coach. up first? Me? Yeah. Uh, Jaden Daniels is walking around in a walking boot. Never a good sign. Ooh. Oh, God. Yeah, Georgia by a lot. <laughs> Georgia's quarterback could be in the walking boot. And I think it's 16 and a half, would it? Yeah. Is it 16 and a half? I think so. Or is that the Michigan line? It's one of them 16 and a half. <laughs> it's the Michigan seven. line. I don't know if they cover. I got to see the Georgia line, but Georgia by a lot. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we all agree on Georgia. Purdue against Michigan. Yep. Same, same as uh, last year. Michigan, right? They were ready to play last year, even after like uh, what is a little bit of like an emotional letdown and almost a trap game. It's funny to say that in a conference championship game, but like with the so college much, playoffs. On right, the right, with so much attention around the game against Ohio State and then like a significantly lesser opponent in the championship game with the playoff on the horizon. Like I still think, you know, Michigan's going to come ready to go. Interesting hearing Jeff Brom talk in the press conference this week, you know, alluding to the fact that he's going to need a few balls to bounce his way for his team to get the W Michigan's got it. That says, that says it all. I'm going Michigan 16 and a half. They're going to blow them out. Who'd they blow out last year? Iowa, Iowa. Same, like 40, same, forty-two to three. <laughs> same recipe right now. Damn! If I was a coach, if I was a player for Purdue, I'd be like, "Hey, man, shut up!" Like, I don't even want to play for you. I, I wouldn't even play. He's, I'd be like, he's oh, downplaying it, right? That's he's how you down. No, nah, he, nah. he's yeah. downplaying it in the media. I'm sure in the locker room, he's he should be saying, "Hey, look at the disrespect that's going on." Sixteen and a half. You're the division champ on the other side. They're giving you no chance. We're a good team in here. Just be quiet. Don't say anything in the media. Be PC and let's go out and beat them. You know, let let the laying dogs lie. Don't say anything, and we're gonna we're gonna come out. We're gonna come out like wolves. Man, all the PC in the world can't stop them from getting stomped by fifty. It's Michigan. <laughs>
This one I'm really interested in y'all's opinion. Clemson and UNC. Yeah, this one's really interesting. I agree, JT. I, I'm just feeling UNC for some reason. I think uh I don't know. They obviously they're coming off a tough loss at home in their rivalry game against NC State. Uh, you know, both both teams kind of limping in here for the ACC. Um, but I think UNC is going to pull it out. I know we said they're all of us said they're that era is over in terms of that Clemson dynasty that we know it as. But Drake May starting to play a little bit too much like a freshman had freshman moments against NC State. This stage is even bigger. I just think Clemson coming off that loss too. This is get get back to work week. Like no frills. Hey, let's be humbled. Let's go out and dominate. And I, I think that's what they do. I got Clemson. It's Drake. Drake season. All right. Let's, let's see. I just want to say Charlotte, it's God's plan. The game's in Charlotte. Is it really going to be a big stage? There's going to be like <laughs> 5,000 people there. So so this is what I will say, having gone to the Miami game, JT didn't want to come that year. But when Miami played Clemson there, Clemson fans travel. Like, this means a lot to them. And it's in North Carolina. Yeah. UNC is yeah. close. It's going to be a yeah. sellout. And the thing is, though, Clemson fans aren't happy. And they're going to come with some some fire. I wouldn't and be happy. It's going to be a good atmosphere. Shipley was my running because Clemson doesn't want to lose to North Carolina. They want to still be the kings of the ACC, and their fans will will let it be known. Like, they'll come out. It's going to be a hostile environment there because North Carolina is close by. It, it, there's going to be way more than 5,000. <laughs> All right, so let's switch gears to the NFL. Uh, Bills at the Patriots. Bills. I got I got the Bills. I got the Patriots, man. <laughs> Can't trust the Bills in a close game on the road. Uh Jets at the Vikings. This one's actually tough. Uh you know, I think everyone would say go with the Vikings, but you know, coach uh coach Rudy with the Jets will make this one personal. I'll go with the Jets. I've got the Vikings. I told yeah, you best, I, best yeah, team you, in the you, NFC. You can't you can't back track on all these things and you know we've just spent two hours listening to you nonsense and you got to pick them i'm actually gonna agree with you coach i'm going with the jets like <laughs> zach wilson not being on the field <laughs> throw the damn lines on vegas out the window like they don't matter anymore so they're they're a completely different team when he's not under center so anything can happen but i just think the jets defense difference um titans at the eagles this is probably to be the best game of the week in my like it it's going to be ugly, but I think th these are two really, really good playoff teams that are playing each other. I think the Eagles have struggled a little bit stopping the run. Uh, and what do the Titans love to do? Run King Henry. Ooh. I'm going with the Titans. You know what? I had the Eagles, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm switching. <laughs> I'm switching. Look, I had, I had the Eagles. I'm switching. I'm going with the Titans. I'm going with Coach Connor. So he, side he note, sold me on that and I – what he's trying to do Run is the ball, he's listening. Play defense, that's what Tennessee does. He's listening to what we're picking because he's also trying to catch me in this this year long record thing. So he's changing it based on what we say. How, um, how I is agree. That? I've I been going first. <laughs> I don't know what you're picking. I've been going first. Uh, I feel like you, I feel like you know. Like once you hear him say something, you're like, hey, maybe, maybe JT might go with this. 
you're trying to play both sides. I agree. I think it's going to be the Titans. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's out with a lacerated kidney. I feel like when he's not in there, that defense is a little bit different. And I think the Eagles got to start losing some games at some point. Like, it's just natural regression toward the mean. And the Titans are one of those teams, like, you don't want to play late in the year because of King Henry. So, I think they get it done. Commanders at the Giants. Commies. <laughs> I'm going to go Commanders as as well. I'm going to Commanders. I feel like the, the glass slipper with the Giants has been returned. Yeah. Yep. It is the next day. Commanders are better than what people think. They what do they do? They I run the ball, the play bad. defense. The best thing that happened to them is Heineke coming in yep. because it just narrows the playbook, yep. simplifies it. You know, run play the ball, simple, play defense, no turnovers. Yep. yep, yep. Heineke can just come in and row the boat. Very interesting game. Dolphins at the Niners. Mike McDaniel returning to his mentor and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think that gives the Niners the edge as well as the fact that it's a West Coast game. I'm going Niners. I think this JT is is the game of the weekend in the NFL. I think it's this one. You you said earlier. I think two good playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Like this is these are two really good playoff teams. 49ers only a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl. Good storyline with the coaches, but you took the 49ers. I did. I'm going to go Dolphins though. I I think there's something about McDaniel that says. I don't want to lose to Kyle Shanahan. Like, I want to prove my worth. It was me. I want to prove that it was me. Guys like – exactly. Guys like JT always told me, well, who was calling the plays? It wasn't McDaniel. It was still Shanahan. It wasn't Gaddis. It was Harbaugh. It wasn't wasn't Rhett Lashley. It was Malzahn. So, I think guys like JT, Mike McDaniel wants to prove a point. This is the game he does it. 49ers keep getting injuries left and right. Now it's – now it's again Elijah Mitchell. And guess who's going back to the Bay Area that wants to prove him you should not have cut me and kept Elijah Mitchell? Jeff Wilson Jr. He's going to run all over the 49ers. In the words of an annoying person that I know, <laughs> the next Cincinnati Bengals are right in front of our eyes. I'm going to go with the <laughs> Dolphins to win this game. Ooh, see, but he agrees with it. He might mock me. Hey, wh- what do they say? The greatest compliment the best form the imitation is the greatest form of flattery <laughs> there see you don't even know what it i is, do JT. i do the, the light went out and i was like i was i wanted to laugh i wanted to see your face i know you didn't know what it was all right uh final one in any any other normal year this would be the game of the game of the week to me but it's just i just not feeling it uh chiefs at the Bengals. i'm going chiefs me too yeah, Jamar Chase ain't Jamar Chase this year, so he he ain't gonna bail him out with two fifty and three touchdowns. So <laughs> I think it's the Chiefs. It's a revenge game, right? Yeah, from last yeah, year. From Absolutely. Last year. Yep. Twice. Yep. Yep. So, Coach Connor, great show. Thank you for the time. Hopefully, we didn't keep you too long. But as always, a lot of fun. We know ninety eight percent of your predictions are going to be right, except the last couple where you disagreed <laughs> with my games. All right, but we'll we'll give you that with with the NFL. But in all sincerity, thank you very much. Great show. We hope that you'll you'll come back here. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll try to time it with some college football here, maybe uh maybe at some point. So hopefully you can clear your schedule for us again. So thank you, thank you guys. It's always fun to be with you and uh, talk ball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, coach.
JT, you're not even going to say bye to our guests. See, that's disrespectful. Look I at was, that. I was, oh, I was waiting for you to be quiet. You're rambling on, Coach. I, I was I, waiting for you to get off your phone. No, I was waiting for you to be quiet. I just got tired of listening to your voice. It's in my ear all the time. Just be quiet. Coach, I really appreciate you being on. It's always a pleasure. Um, you make us look good, to be honest with you. So uh, it's, make us it's a legit always, show. It, it's, always, it's always an easy day at the office when you're here, so we appreciate it. And uh, bring a lot of validity to this show so with, uh, with all your great picks. But, no, we appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again soon. Look forward to it. And thank you also to the fans and listeners out there, as always, for listening. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. Remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember to please follow us on social media, our handle at JT and the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, fun show as always, especially when we got Coach Connor on. And so, JT, until the next episode, see you. Peace.